Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Reimagined Schools podcast. I'm your host, Greg Goins, and after celebrating episode number 100 last week, a huge milestone here for the podcast, it's time to get right back at it with another great conversation this week as I welcome in a great friend of the podcast as Joe Sanfilippo jumps in to talk about creating a positive culture and offer some great advice for school leaders from his new book with Jeff Zuhl. The name of the book is Crafting the Culture, 45 Reflections on What Matters Most. Joe Sanfilippo was named the 2019 Ed Dive National Superintendent of the Year. He continues to do some great work as superintendent of the Fall Creek, Wisconsin School District. And so you'll often hear him shout out, Go Crickets, to those that follow things there in Fall Creek. He's also a popular speaker. He's written multiple books. In addition to this new release on crafting the culture, uh, one of my favorites that you certainly want to check out from Joe is Lead From Where You Are, Building Intention, Connection, and Direction in Our Schools. So a couple books there you can add to your professional library as uh, Joe Sanfilippo always brings the good stuff when he's talking about school culture and being a school leader. Some of you may know Joe from his one-minute walks where he offers leadership advice on his short walk to school. He also has a new live YouTube show with his friend Jimmy Casas, and we all know Jimmy from his great book, Culturized. So you want to check that out, and uh, there are links that have been uh, made available in the show notes this week. So you want to check that out and participate in that live YouTube show. Don't forget that we have a new sponsor, as Rocket PD is now the official sponsor of the Reimagined Schools podcast. Be sure to check them out at rocketpd.com. So let's get to it. My conversation with Joe Sanfilippo begins right after this quick promo from the Education Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Sam Fesich from the Magic Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back. We are back in the saddle once again for another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast, bringing in an old friend of the show, Joe Sanfilippo, the superintendent at Fall Creek, Wisconsin. How are you, Joe? And man, how are you doing, Greg? Great to hear your voice again. How you been? Good? I've been good. I've been following all your, um, your speaking engagements and all your travels on Twitter. You were just in my neck of the woods in uh, central Illinois speaking there with Kyle Thompson a great regional yeah. superintendent in that, that area. I saw a packed gym. So did they have the right date or the right speaker? Or what was going on there? <laughs> well, it's funny. They had, they had, we had 1300 people in that gym, man. It was fantastic. We had one little tiny screen and we had, uh, we had a bunch of, uh, we had a bunch of people. It was great. And I had actually, I had 1300 K five or K six group. And, and Jimmy Costas had the six or seven, 12 group. He had 1300 people at a different site. So we had a blast. I'll tell you, it was just a, what an incredible group of people. And Kyle was amazing. Katie Odell was in, in charge of my site and she was just phenomenal. So just really good people doing great stuff. So it was, it was an honor to be there. That was kind of a cool deal to have you and Jimmy both kind of in the same area, uh, different locations. Did you guys travel together, spend some time together? Or did you just go your separate ways? 
Yeah, you know, it's funny because we were both we were both working the day before. I was in Wisconsin. He was actually in Kentucky, and no, he was in Kansas. He was in Kansas, and he drove over. He drove over, and then I drove over. But we both didn't get to where we were going until late. We were actually supposed to have dinner with Kyle, which was what we were hoping that we could do. But neither of us were going to get into anywhere close until uh, until like late. So I, you know, I I met up with Jimmy actually at the hotel and there's a hotel restaurant there. We just grabbed some dinner real quick. It was like nine o'clock by the time I got in, but, but uh, it was always, always good to see him. You know, I, I love, I love what he does. I think he's an incredible person. And anytime I can spend, you know, two, you know, two, half hour, 45 minutes with him. I'm, I'm going to take that every time because I, I care about him a lot. So it was, it was a, it was a good time to do that, but we didn't get a chance to see each other speak too, which kind of, you know, we, we like that part too, just kind of give each other feedback on how it goes. And, and uh, that's always a fun thing. So we didn't get a chance to do that because we were at different places, but we did get a chance to see each other for just a little bit the night before. So you've been doing this, uh, I guess I'll call it professional speaking for quite some time. Of course, your day job is you're actually a school superintendent. People need to remember yeah. that, that you're not just traveling the world, giving, giving speeches about all these great books you're writing. You're actually working with board members and teachers and working with students. And, uh, you know, I, I know that's where you want to be most days, but whenever you go somewhere like central Kentucky and you walk in and you see a packed gymnasium, does that ramp up the energy for you? Yeah, I think I think it always does, but I think it ramps up the energy because I'm talking about stuff that we're doing. I mean, it's not like this philosophical. Here's an opportunity for you. You know, if you, you know, all kids can learn, well, yeah, I got that, but like, show me how. And so all I'm talking about is stuff that we're doing and things that our incredible teachers are doing and our kids are doing and our our uh, our um, amazing community and we got a great school board. I think there's like a lot of times that stuff gets lost in the shuffle and we got to figure out a way to kind of bring that stuff back up to the, to the forefront. And so it's, it's fun to talk about because it's real. You know what I mean? It's not like some philosophy that you, you have to figure out a way to weave into what you do. It's, it's a lot about that. Yeah. It, you know, just doing the work. It's about thinking about different ways to think about the work that you do and how we can kind of move each other forward in that work. And, so I, I love doing it. I love the energy that it brings, but I also love it because it, I get a chance to talk about our, our kids and our teachers. Yeah. And, you know, um, obviously you talk a lot about culture. The books you write are fantastic advice and, and kind of a roadmap to think about how to be more intentional around school culture. But uh, I was thinking the other day when I knew you were coming on, you and I are both football fans and we don't need to go down the rabbit hole and talk about Kentucky's last two losses or the Packers struggling or Wisconsin or Packers. yeah, or Wisconsin both. because yeah, we'll, we'll wait till basketball season and have this conversation later. I hope, but again, when, whenever I think about, uh, quite frankly, this is firing season in football and both college football and the NFL. So you're seeing coaches begin to get fired. You're bringing interim coaches on, and eventually they're going to be bringing in new head coaches. It's amazing to me, every time a new coach is hired, the first thing they say during that first press conference, that honeymoon period, is we're going to come in and change the culture. And yeah. so I always, that always strikes me funny. You know, a lot, a lot of them will, you know, maybe a new helmet or a new uniform set or a new fa a fancy slogan. But, you know, maybe you need better players, first of all. But I always find it interesting, you as a culture expert, you know, what do you think when you hear people talk about coming in to fix something by changing the culture yeah well i so i don't know if i would consider myself a culture expert i think i'm a culture observer you know and i think i, I see things that happen 
and I try to weave in what we can do within the context of that culture. You can you can get the pretty good feel for the culture of a building the minute that you walk into that building and just literally take one walk down a hallway. And a lot of times it's how the adults are interacting with each other. And I love walking into our building because I love seeing the way that our adults interact with each other. You know, I mean, kids see what you do and then they emulate what you do. And I think that has been a big strength for us over the course of time. But I think that, you know, when, when people think about changing the culture, I think they got to be really careful about are they changing the culture to fit their needs or are they changing the culture to meet the needs of the people that they serve? Because a lot of times they're thinking, well, I just, I just can, I'm just going to Im- implement my culture. And then all of a sudden, well, it's not your culture. <laughs> it's the whole building's culture. And, you know, if you want everybody to own it, you better be out in front telling people that it's not yours. And I'm not here to clean up the mess. I'm here to make people feel valued and wanted and want to come back and be part of what we do and provide purpose. If, if you know, people that, that find value, that know that they are valued will always do more than what's expected of them. So if that's where you start in terms of building culture, then you're going to come out on the other side feeling better and everybody else is going to come out looking better because you're leaning into what they need, not what you think they need. And, and, you know, you and I both have coaching experience coming through the ranks as teachers. We, we spent some time coaching. I've always liked that, that thought of a, a building principal as a coach or a superintendent as a coach. Take care of your team. And, you know, that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But whenever I watch your one-minute walks, uh, and actually the, I use those in my courses, my principal program. So thank you for providing some great content for my, for my principal program courses. But one of my favorite ones, as you talk about this old, we always hear this saying that uh, successful school leaders hire great people and get out of the way. You have a completely different take on that. I do. I do. I think it's dumb. I really do. I think it's, I think it's ridiculous. I mean, I think for ridiculous for a couple of different reasons. First of all, if you hire that person, why would you want to get out of their way? I mean, if you hire that person and you feel good about that hire, why wouldn't you want to be there and see some of the great stuff that they're doing and connect with them and help them grow? It doesn't mean you have to take over what they do, but why wouldn't you want to be there for them in that spot? And, you know, if you hire great people and just get out of the way, essentially, like I, the idea that you have to keep in mind is as the leader of the school district, you're not a search firm. That's not your job. You're not your job isn't to just put somebody in a position and then get out of the way like a search firm does. Your job is to get somebody great in the position and then have coach them and help them get better and there are times that I feel like that goes really well here and there are times that it really doesn't and I and the reason that it doesn't it has nothing to do with the candidate it has everything to do with the leader in the space and from my perspective I've seen it happen on both sides you know I know that when I when I hire somebody and um and and I and I see that they're doing great things and I want to be part of those great things but sometimes you know I got to be really cognizant about where those people are coming in I hired a new uh a principal a couple of years ago, and she's fantastic. She's a wonderful leader. And all of a sudden, you know, I, I'm like, hey, you know, you're doing great things. Going, I'm just kind of pumping and being supportive of that. But I wasn't coaching her at all. And I, I got to my, I got some the thought, you know, the feeling that came back to me was she's like in her second or third year as an administrator, and I just expected her to know stuff. And like that wasn't a good situation for either of us. That's not my, that's not her fault. That's one hundred percent on me. And I had to get, I got to get out of the, the thing that I, that I thought when I'm going in was like, oh, she knows what she's doing. She's fantastic. She's going to get it. And she is, she knows what she's doing and she's fantastic, but she also needs to be coached. 
and she wants to be coached. And I think that's where the, the difference comes in. We're not there to just hire people and get out of the way. We're there to hire people and really invest in them. And, you know, if you look at your leadership team or you look at your building as your classroom, you wouldn't just bring a bunch of great kids together in the room and just give them a piece of paper and get out of the way and say, hey, go, go do it. You're going to be fantastic. You coach them, you teach them along the way. So why is it any different when we hire administrators into the space? You know, be there and coach them, connect with them, teach them, you know, support them. And in doing that, they're going to be better for it. And you're going to be well-versed on where they're at in their progression. So you can actually help them um, instead of just having the mid-year check-in and the end of the year check-in to make sure that things went okay. Yeah. And I think that's well said. And, you know, I don't know about Wisconsin, but here in Kentucky, not only are we going through, through a massive teacher shortage, we're starting to see a shortage of quality school principals, which is something that I spend a lot of time thinking about and a lot of time talking with with superintendents about how maybe they can grow some of their own leaders. And I certainly want to get into uh, to that a little bit from your book, uh, Lead From Where You Are. But I, I think there are a lot of valuable learning lessons uh, in, in your Twitter feed. Recently, there was a great conversation going on about the difference between got to and get to. Did that come from the book or is that just a thought that you shared out recently? Uh, I know that kind of goes with Simon Sinek's Find Your Why, but there are things that yeah. we have to do and things that we get to do. Yeah, well, it was like a year ago, I think, that um, that Ernie Johnson from NBA and TNT went to Alabama and talked to Alabama's football team and, and talked about the fact that he has a get-to job. He gets to work with Shaquille O'Neal. He gets to work with Kenny Smith. He gets to work with Charles Barkley. He gets to talk about basketball in his job, and he has a get-to job, and that's the mentality that he has going into the job. And I kind of see it from two perspectives. I, I see it, A, we do have a get-to job. This is a get-to opportunity. We get to connect with kids. We get to connect with families. We get to connect with the community. We get we get to do this work. Now, having said that, B, okay, B is that there are a lot of got-to stuff in a get-to job. You have to, you, there are got-to things like responding to emails, signing forms, having tough conversations, you know, um, you know, late nights, early mornings, there are got to things, even though it's a get to job. The problem becomes when the got to stuff takes over the mentality of the get to job, then you start to wonder why you do what you do. So what are we doing to put ourselves in a position to realize that we have a get to job, even though there are got to things within the context of that get to job? Hey guys, Dr. Greg Goins here, and I hope you're enjoying this week's episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast. We'll get right back to the conversation after this quick shout out from our sponsor, Rocket PD. There's one thing we can all agree on. The days of sit and get PD are over. That's why my friends at Rocket PD have assembled the best experts on the planet on the hottest topics on education with a mission to create the world's largest community of educators committed to helping teachers and staff succeed. So prepare for launch by going to rocketpd.com where you can connect your team with the most inspiring educators on the topics that matter. It's professional learning fueled by passion. Visit rocketpd.com to join the Rocket PD community and download your free ultimate guide to K-12 PD. So join Rocket PD today and get the help and support that you've been searching for. 
So I think that's a good segue into the new book. The new book is entitled Crafting the Culture, 45 Reflections on What Matters Most. And you picked a great co-author and Jeff Zuhl, one of the nicest people you'll ever meet uh, in the education space. Tell me a little bit about how this book came about. I love the title because when you craft something, uh, you're making something by hand. It's, it becomes very skillful. Right. And well, said, I think the, the thing that we understand is he chose me for this. I didn't choose him. And he asked me about it. He was it was his, you know, his thought process. And he was thinking about this daily reflection thing. And he asked if I would be a part of it. And I was absolutely willing to to add anything that I could. And uh, yeah, he was a great, great partner to work with. We had a great time doing it. And the thing about the book is it kind of wrote itself. We talked about, you know, the things that as we think about what building culture really looks like and how strong school culture exists and is created or crafted, uh, what things were non-negotiables, what things were at the heart of all of these great school cultures of these great building cultures and we came up with 45 things that are we think essential to uh, building great culture and so the cool thing about the book is you can read it you know from day one to day 45 if you want you can talk about you know uh, um, the the whole message of awe and hope and trust and leading learning and everything that goes along with it. you could do that every day for 45 days and hopefully you'll read it you'll get a quick quote you'll get a little bit of a reflection and then some action on in terms of how you can implement it that day or if you don't want to do that you could decide that you want to read you know you want to read about hope you want to read about ambition you want to read about trust you want to read about all the things that that we put in there and it's a quick you know couple minute read and and something that you could do different or something that really uh, enhances what you're already doing and so if we can just you know give people a, a quick reflection on what they do and how they do it I think they're going to feel better about the work but um, it also um, gives you a chance to you know kind of understand that the work that you're doing is is probably pretty good already it's not like changing everything you don't have to change everything it's not I mean if you're always trying to change everything then you're changing nothing gets moved forward because you never know what works. But along those same lines, my guess would be whenever you go out and speak somewhere uh, or whenever you spend time with administrators there in your home state, if someone's having a problem in their building, you know, whatever the case may be, something culture related, if they send you an email or they talk to you after a speaking session, what are some of the common themes in terms of being disconnected that you hear people ask you about and what are what are the big concerns because there are times uh you know as, as a someone that's been a principal someone that's been a superintendent at times there feel that really feels like there are things that can't be fixed so what right. kind of advice do you give folks when they when they talk with you about those kind of things yeah so i think you have to realize that what can you control and what can't you control and i think that the the idea that you know if if we, we talk a lot about that whole mentality of people saying that they're just right. Like I'm just a teacher. I'm just a, a paraprofessional. I'm just a cook. I'm just a bus driver. And the thing about saying that is when you say that, when you say that you're just, or when you say that you're only, you devalue all of your work. And not only do you devalue your work, but you give the person that you're talking to license to do exactly the same. So if we don't change the way that we talk about us, nobody changes the way that we talk about that. They talk about us. That's the first thing. The second thing is, you know, at the heart of everything that we do, we have to think about like, you know, what kind of trust is being built within the process 
And what does trust really look like? Because trust looks different for different groups, right? Trust for our group here was creating a culture where storytelling was at the heart of what we do. Because when people know that their story has value, then they'll talk about their story. And when they talk about their story, they develop trust and empathy for the group that they work with. If they don't believe that their story has value, then they're going to sit in their classroom and they're going to do nothing, not do nothing. They're not going to talk about what they do because they're afraid of what the response is going to be. And honestly, if that's the case, if, the, if, if you are not willing to talk about the great work that you do because you're afraid of what a colleague is going to say about that work, then there's not a lot of trust built up within the context of your space. So when you create a culture where the story has value and you can go next door and talk about something other than schedule changes or logistics or grades or something that you're unhappy about. And you can tell the person next door, I just taught a really great lesson and it was fantastic and I feel great. And the response that you get from that person is the one that you want or are you that you're expecting, then you'll share again and again and again. And until you do that, you, you know, we're in an isolated environment where we, you know, we put adults in a room with one, like, one adult and 25 kids. And we're expecting that, that adult to move these kids, move them academically, move them emotionally, make them feel safe. And our people in this building do it every single day. They, they make them believe that they can. And that's an incredible accomplishment. But until they start talking about it with their colleagues, it just becomes something that happens in a vacuum. And that we can't have because otherwise you you come to school and you wonder what your value is because we're not in the business of the immediate gratification of the work that we do. Like you, you get a kid that comes back to you 15 years after they had you as a teacher and they're like, oh man, I loved having you as a teacher. You were a great teacher. And what you want to say is, man, you could have said something when you were here, right? Like you could have said something, but you didn't. I was, a, I mean, I was just happy you were awake, boss, right? Like I think we got to we don't, if we don't get that immediate gratification from the kids that we serve all the time, then we got to be willing to, you know, be that gratification for the person that teaches next door. And, you know, I think that's the perfect transition into the other book, which I consider to be new, uh, lead from where you are building intention, connection, and direction in our schools. And, and again, from my own personal experience, if I felt like I was the only person in the building that was providing leadership that's just exhausting to me. Yeah. We have to have other people step up and lead, whether it's a classroom teacher, playground supervisor, cafeteria workers, you can lead from wherever you are. So I was so glad to see this book come out. Yeah, thank you. And I think that the, the concept that we try to keep in mind is that everyone leads. That doesn't mean everyone leads well or leads people in the right direction, but everyone leads, right? I mean, like you're a leader, your people are going to follow you regardless of, of, your, of the action. So let's give everybody an opportunity to be in the right spot when it comes to the action. So you, you become somebody that everybody wants to follow, everybody wants to invest in. And, and I can, um, I think we have to be really cognizant as leaders in that spot to also say like, Hey, you know, um, when it, when it comes down to this work, we want to let you lead the way that you want to lead. If everything looks the way that I want it to look, because I'm the superintendent in the school district, 
then we're just creating a bunch of clones. And that's not what we want either. We want everybody to have some autonomy in the work that they do, but also feel like they don't have to ask permission all the time. If they're always asking permission to do things, then you haven't developed enough trust for them to, to move forward because they're always wondering what the response is going to be from you. Is And even if the response isn't like what they want, as long as they know what it's going to be, if there's consistency in that response, then they're much more empowered to do the work. So I think that's a that's a huge deal in terms of how we develop capacity to lead. The other thing is if you don't do, developing capacity to lead means that you're helping people not, not fixing stuff, right? Because if you have if you're always the fixer, if you're always the, you know, I, I can I'll just take care of it, I'll just take care of it, then the people that just want their stuff fixed are gonna come to you all the time just to get their stuff fixed. But the people that actually want to get better are not gonna to come to you anymore because they know you're just gonna do it for them. So they stop asking you questions because they know that you're just gonna do the work for them and they don't want the work done. They wanna be helped and supported in the work. And then, so you're spending all your time with people that just want stuff fixed. And that's not a good feeling either. Yeah, that reminds me of my, my first year as a building principal. I remember going to the superintendent the first week or two that I was on the job with a, what I thought was a pretty big problem. And I said, what do you think I should do? And she looked at me in the eye and she said, Greg, if I'm going to solve all your problems, then why do I need you here? Yeah. She said, if I'm going to be the superintendent and the principal, then you can just go home. And I, I, that's something I never forgot. And I figured it out. I mean, I talked to some people. I gathered some input and I, I did, my, did my due diligence. And then, you know, if you make a mistake, she said, that's fine. You know, that, you're going to grow from that. You're going to learn from that. Absolutely. And that creates trust too, because now you know that you can go out and, and do it. And the response is like, it, you know, Hey, I just want you to do it. Let's see what happens when you do it. And then we'll talk about it when it's done. Yeah. So I thought that was great advice. And actually that was uh, advice that I gave to my principals when I became a superintendent. So something yep. that stayed, stayed with me for a long time. So in, in the few minutes we have left, uh, I want you to kind of take your culture hat off and put your curriculum and instruction cap on. I know they go hand in hand, but I also think that uh, a strong school culture is a happy place, and you see kids that want to be in the classroom. And I think a lot of that, and I talk about this all the time on this podcast, is creating an engaging classroom space. I believe the role of the classroom teacher has changed. Uh, I believe they need to become, uh, they need to, to talk less and listen more. And I really think a student-centered classroom is one in, in which the loudest voices are the kids having conversations in your classroom. Where are you at on this whole deeper learning concept and thinking about creating modern classrooms? Uh, that's a like that's a loaded question, man. Like because if you say that you, that you're not for that, you're like, well, what's wrong with you? But at the same time, I think a lot of times what ends up happening is we push stuff off to the side that's been working for something new, and then all of a sudden the new thing is like, well, is it really that good? We should go back to the stuff that we always that we used to do, and then you bring that stuff back, and it takes longer to bring back when it never should have left to begin with. So I think from our perspective, we just think about like what's essential. What do the what do all kids need to know and understand? How they figure out a way to need to, to know and understand that concept, you know, it should have ownership of learning. You know, Chip and Dan Heath wrote a great book called The Power of Moments. And in it, they talked about how people remember certain things. And one of the things that they talk about is if the work is meaningful, autonomous, and they have a choice to participate, they're much more will, but much more um, much more impactful in terms of them remembering that event. So if it's meaningful, 
It's autonomous and they have a choice to participate. So how often are we giving kids meaningful work that's autonomous and they have a choice to participate in how that work is done? And if you do that, you're going to find yourself in a situation where they remember more stuff about the content that you put out there. And we do it with our with our staff members too. We had to, we modeled it for our staff members in terms of the passion projects that we do and allow them to choose how they want to get better, how they want to grow. And so when we did that, what ended up happening was not only did they grow and get better as adults, but they started to allow kids to own their learning as well. It wasn't that they didn't want kids to own learning. They just wanted to know what it looked like. And when they knew what it looked like, they were more than willing to put uh, to to put that into practice with kids, and now we found ourselves in a in a much different situation where kids are able to learn and explore and choose. And uh, in terms of what that looks like, having said that, there are certain skills along the way that might not be all that fun to 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 learn, but you still need them to get to the next level, right? And so, if we're not teaching those skills, if we just give everybody a you know, wide open, you know, uh, opportunity. You just go learn this however you want. Well, some kids are going to do it, but other kids are not. And then the gap is going to grow and we're spending more time trying to catch people up. So there are, there are certain things. I think about kids at the early elementary levels and, you know, we're teaching kids how to read. We're teaching kids how to, you know, break words apart. We're, we're teaching them how to, you know, how to create concepts in math that they can move forward. And I think when you have those base skills and then you give an opportunity to, to choose how you want to utilize those skills, then you find yourself in a different position. But if we just say, hey, go learn it the way you want, then we put, we, I think we're going to find ourselves in a really tough spot. So sorry for the loaded question, but it was a grand slam answer. So I'm you know, spot on as always. So as we wrap things up, first of all, I mean, thanks again for joining me. I hope things are going well there in Cricket Nation. Uh, you and Jimmy have a live a YouTube show, the weekly show. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's one of those things where, you know, Jimmy and I just were talking every week. You know, we talk all the time and I talk to Tom Murray all the time. I talk to Jimmy like literally every day. I'll talk to these guys about, you know, uh, you know about uh, engaging presentation and conversation and how do we get more people involved in talking about leadership and everything that goes along with it. And so Jimmy and I were talking about it one day and we're like, well, we should just do that. Every, we should just do this on the weekends and see if anybody wants to be part of that conversation. So that's what we did. We just started talking on the weekends and um and apparently people like it so they keep coming back and we're we're asking questions and just having a quick conversation i think last week was one of my favorite shows that we did because it was really the conversation back and forth was really good and the thing about jimmy and i i think that's really important is that we don't always agree on stuff and it and to be in that safe space where i can say well i i just disagree with that. I don't understand. Like, I don't, I don't agree with what you just said. And here's why I don't agree with what you just said. And then he can say, well, I don't agree with that either. And this is why, I mean, and the thing is like, you can, people lead in different ways and different capacities. And so it doesn't, leadership doesn't have to look exactly the same everywhere that we go. And so for us in that moment to be able to have conversations and, and say out loud, I don't agree with you. That's not how I perceive it. So you know, let's talk about why we, we look at this differently at the same time, both ways that we do that particular thing uh, could be very effective. And, um, and I think that's, you know, it's good to have that conversation where you, you don't have to always, it doesn't have to be like a stamp. This is what leadership is. And we certainly didn't want to create a, 
um, a podcast or a weekly show that everybody was like, well, they're just seeing the same stuff all the time. It's always the same thing. And they always agree. And it's always like, you know, you're, they're the same person or whatever. <laughs> like, we don't want that. We want to be just have a real conversation. And sometimes we agree and sometimes we don't. And that's okay. Well, it's, it's a great show. I highly recommend people jump on a watch. And if you can't catch the live show, you can find it on a podcast somewhere. So, Joe, hope you're well. Hope the family's doing good. Uh, hope you're taking care of Allie and uh, everyone's doing well there. Yeah, she's doing okay. She's now she's running, running, running the high school at this point. So we'll see how, how uh, many, how many years it takes her to get through high school. We're going to figure that out as we go along. But other than that, everything's good. Cricket nation is rolling. Football team's doing well. Volleyball team's doing well. We've got the cross country team just crushing it this fall. I mean, we're like, it's a, and, and most importantly, we got great kids in a great community that support each other in whatever they're doing. We have people all over the place. The the the, uh, the uh, musical is coming up in a couple of weeks, and I can promise you that the entire football team is going to be sitting in the front row of that musical, cheering on their teammates and cheering on their classmates, the cross country team, and the volleyball team is going to do the same thing because they all know that when it comes down to game day here. That group is going to be in the stands cheering them on too. So it's a cool place to be. And I, I have come myself lucky every single day to be part of this community. Well, next time you're in Kentucky, hit me up. I'll buy your bourbon. We'll do. I got Thanks. you, man. I got you. All right. Take care. So that's a wrap on this episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating and leave a comment wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. As friends of the podcast, I hope you can give me a follow on Twitter at Dr. Greg Goins, where you can learn more about my work as a partnership ambassador with the Modern Classrooms Project and also about my work with Brave Ed, where innovative school districts across the country are leading change through a benefits-based accountability system that allows school communities to redefine student success. So until next time, folks, thanks for listening and keep fighting for change in your schools.